doing okay this morning here? Come on at Winter Park, all locations. Welcome to Action Church. If you are new, uh, my name is Justin Daly, and I have the uh, honor and privilege to serve as lead pastor here uh, at Action Church. And love what we get to do uh, together. Uh, I'm going to get out of the way in just a moment because we have a, a way better preacher than me uh, joining us today. Dr. Joel Hunter uh, is in the house. I'm going to give him a, a proper introduction uh, in just a moment. I want to highlight one thing. And then I'll introduce uh, Dr. Hunter and get out of the way. Uh, Easter is coming up in just a few weeks. Come on, April 15th through the 17th. And, uh, and we, love, uh, we love every Sunday that we get to gather uh, to worship at Action Church. But a couple of times a year, we just know that we have an opportunity. Everybody say opportunity. We have an opportunity to reach people where they are and connect them to everything God has for their life. And you never have a, a better opportunity than Christmas and Easter where people who don't know Jesus will willingly accept an invitation. In fact, studies show about 80% of people, if asked, will join you on Easter Sunday. And so we have 12 identical services across all of our locations, and we would love for you to bring somebody with you. Right now, everybody else, just watch me get on to your older brother or your older sister. Winter Park, you're in the 1030 service right now. If you call Action Church home, if you are a believer, do not walk through these doors alone. If you come to 1030 without a lost person, we will ask you to leave. And if we miss you, God sees you in your heart. I'm kidding. We want you to be here, just not at this service. Like seriously, like Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday morning, Sunday at noon, love to see you. If you have family in town, if you're bringing somebody who doesn't know Jesus, fill this place at 1030. But if at all possible, we'd love, why am I saying this? Because we are going to be absolutely packed and we'd love for new people. This is the most prime time service. Some of you will never take a mission trip in your whole life. This Easter, take a mission trip to a different service and we'll all get the glory in eternity. Come on, you are sacrificing for the gospel in Jesus' name. Hey, I, uh, I do have the honor and privilege today uh, of introducing uh, Dr. Joel Hunter and what an amazing word he has for you. Uh, that he shared in the, the first service. And, and Dr. Hunter and, and Miss Becky uh, have been heroes of the faith for mine for a long time. I remember moving to Orlando in 2013 and going to their church and sitting in the seats and really a general of the faith. I call him Orlando's pastor. He is Orlando's pastor of the last however long, 40 years. He is, when he speaks, people listen. When he leads, people follow. And I, I've never Seriously, never met somebody that loves people as intentionally as, as Dr. Joel Hunter and Miss Becky Hunter. And he's a hero of the faith. And from afar, sitting 15 rows back and watching and, and learning and listening to the sermons and watching him lead his, his life the way that he does, I had all this respect for him, all this admiration and really gratefulness because I knew that Action Church would always be a product of those that came before us. And we always knew that we would reap a harvest that we didn't plant. And I knew that it was people like the hunters paving the way, trailblazing, pioneering in this city that made way for a church like Action Church to come to be. And sometimes when you have heroes, when you get closer, your perspective of them diminishes. And I just want to say out loud with them here and to our whole church family that over the past couple years, Dr. Joel and I have become friends. Friends is very much an overstatement. He's become a mentor of mine. And the lunches and the talks and the meetings and the times of prayer, especially through the personal journey that I've gone through, having a hero become a mentor and being more uh, impressed and inspired as you get closer. I'm, I'm just thankful 
for what the hunters have done in the city, but I'm even more thankful for what the hunters have done in my own life and in our church. So I'd just love for you to stand to your feet at all of our locations and honor Dr. Joel Hunter. I love that guy. But I'm standing over there thinking, oh my gosh, how can I lower their expectations? He's just way over uh, sold me. But, but uh, I love his church. This is my church. Uh, I'm usually sitting up right in there, uh, right now, and that's my pastor. And so just uh, the honor of being able to preach at, uh, at your home church is, is just uh, is not lost on me. Hey, before I get into this, could I add one more church to Pastor Tyler's prayer that we pray for them and their city. Let me bow with me just for a second. Lord, we pray for New Life Church in Kiev, Ukraine. We pray for Pastor Anatoly and his son, Pastor Anton. And we pray for the food and the medicine that they are distributing throughout this devastated city. We pray that their ministry and their service, along with their network of churches, will point people to Jesus as the ultimate provider. And Jesus, we ask you to multiply that food and that medicine. And we pray this in your name. We also pray that as we go into the word, you will apply it to our minds, that we might not grow shallow, and to our hearts, that we might not grow cold, and to our feet, that we might be doers of the word and not hearers only. Amen. So I want to talk to you about living the resurrection. In a few weeks, we're going to be celebrating Easter, but there are so many people that don't understand Easter was not just an event in history. It's the offer of a life that you can live every day. Paul said in his letter to the Philippians, this is Philippians 3.10. It says, I want, you, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of his sufferings. Uh-oh. Uh, just, there's a price to this. I, I, I need a full disclosure. There's a price to this. And here comes the price. Becoming like him in his death prerequisite to resurrection is death. It was, um, um, oh, who's the atheist philosopher? Uh, Nietzsche, thank you. I'm looking at my wife. She knows all the philosophers. She's a philosopher herself. <laughs> Nietzsche who said, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Now, now, many of you have heard that, right? But I say unto you, what does kill you makes you indomitable. There is a kind of death that is not a mere physical death. There's a kind of death that we have to experience in order to be raised up to become completely empowered with what God has for us. And so I want to talk to you about this, this necessary death. It says in, in Romans chapter 5, verse 6, it says, if, where are we? Romans 5, 6, 5, I'm sorry, 6, 5. If 
we have been united with him in his death. If we have been united with him in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. Now, let, let me just put that down uh, into, into our terms. There are things in your life that you just need to let go because they're gone and quit trying to retrieve them. There are people, there are circumstances, there are beliefs that you need to let go because they are too simplistic to adapt to or be useful to what you're living through right now. You remember when, when Mary came running to Jesus after she discovered who he was, this is John 20, and, and she came and she said, my Lord was there, and he came and, and hugged him, you know, and Jesus said, don't cling to me. Now that seems cruel, doesn't it? But when you think what he knows, she's thinking, oh good, I got my old Jesus back. Oh good, we can have the life we used to have, the relationship we used to have. And he knew, no, everything is different now. He was saying, don't cling to those memories. Don't cling to that past. You've got to let that die. You've got to let that die because I have something better for you. I've got something that will only come if you die to that thing. There's a trend right now in our country against Christianity, but can be working for our faith if you understand it. The trend is called deconstruction. It's, it's where people are personally deconstructed. Many of these are Christians who have gotten free, you know, and so they're trying to tear everybody else's faith down. Um, and, 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 and so what they're doing, and this is, this is personal, and it should be, now watch this, for reconstruction, it should be the habit of us all taking their faith and seeing what doesn't fit anymore, what doesn't make sense anymore. Now, there's a, there's a bad part of this because it depends on your motivation. Why are you doing this? Many people are doing this to get out from underneath the authority of God and, 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 and to, to say, you know what, I want to take my life back. I want to be my own. I want to live my own life. I want to be my own boss, which translates, I want to be my own God. You know, you remember Satan's uh, temptation in the garden, right? Uh, he, he said, when you eat of that, you will be like God. We have never stopped chasing that. And let me tell you why. Because it's work trying to live a life where you're Always thinking about God. What would God think about this? It's, it's, it's sometimes a, a constraint we don't want to say, no, his morality is something that I really don't want. I want to set my own morality. I want to set my own right and wrong. This is right for me. Be careful. Be careful. Because if it's against what God says is right, it's not right. Even if it's for you, there are people right now. This is this is a phrase. My point, my wife pointed out. She's on social media. I don't. I don't. Yeah. I can't get distracted. It makes me mad. Uh, so, but she said there's a lot of people using the word, the the phrase, my truth. This is my truth. Now, Pastor Justin has taught us about this. He said, my truth is simply a way of saying my opinion and dressing it up into something that sounds more credible. 
There, you don't have an individual truth. You have an approximation to the truth. You, you, we have a, 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 a perception of what the truth is, but we can't make up our own truth. We can't make up our own moral measurements just any more than you could your own physical measurements. You can, you can make a ruler that makes you seven feet, six inches tall, but that's not the real ruler. You understand? And so this whole deconstruction thing, you've got you've to you've make sure that when you're going through it, it's for the right reason. Now, I want to I say, it's, this is not something that's necessarily bad. As a matter of fact, it's pretty good to, to begin to doubt your faith. I'll never forget, we were in the kitchen, um, all three boys and Becky were in, in there, and we were, she was getting ready for lunch, and, and I gave some quote out of the Bible, and my oldest one just buoyed himself up. You know how you, how you got to, boy, I, don't, I don't believe that anymore. And he meant the Bible. Now, if you're sitting there thinking, that must have freaked his dad out. Because his dad is the pastor of the church. And if your own kids don't believe the Bible, man, you're in trouble. You could get fired. <laughs> never crossed my mind. You, my first thought, I'll never forget this. I, I can tell you where he was standing. It was right in front of the refrigerator. I was over the counter. And, by, and my first thought was, Good. Good, because this is your first step in not just adopting my faith, but trying to have a faith of your own. Amen. You see, when you're a kid, you just, you just adopt your parents. What, what do we believe? What do we believe? But that doesn't last into your adult years because you start to run out of these things don't fit for me anymore. And then you have to have a faith that is really yours, really personally yours. Pastor Eddie last week talked about 1 Corinthians 13, 5. He quoted, you know, when I was a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. It's the same way in faith. It's okay to believe on our level, but it's not okay to try to hold on to that level when we have reached another level intellectually and circumstantially, that's not okay. You know, then life gets complicated and you've got to take that journey to say, what, what did I, you, you know, you've, you've had to come to a point in many of you where you just, you keep quoting the proverb, raise up a child in the way he should go and when he's old he will not depart from it. And some of you did exactly that, and your adult children are wackadoodle. <laughs> and you're thinking, ah, man, either that formula doesn't work, or the or is what we're looking for. Because the Bible was never meant to be full of formulas. The Bible is meant to give us actions that most likely will lead to the right consequences, and if they don't, it wasn't what we did, it's what they decided. You see, life's more complicated than a simple formula. And so it's important that we do this for the right reason. A lot of people, as I said, are doing this just so they can get rid of the onus of faith. But <laughs> the good news of being able to be your own God doesn't last very long. You know, it, it, it really doesn't. It, it just doesn't work out. I heard this story, um, Jacob Allen told this story about this attorney that went into a jail cell to consult his uh, client, and he said, well, I got some good news and some bad news, and uh, 
And his, his client said, well, what's the bad news? He said, your blood is all over the crime scene, and the DNA testing proves without the sh- beyond the shadow of a doubt that you did it. And the guy says, well, what's the good news? He said, your cholesterol's like 130. <laughs> How desperate are we for a little good news that we will remain in our condemnation and bondage in order to just focus on that. Maybe I can decide what's right for me, but you remain in your, in your bondage and you hurt the very people you love long-term because that's how the world works. But there's another side to this. I keep going back and forth, and that is you do it so that you can have a more accurate understanding of God so that you can love him more accurately and more intimately. That's why we pursue more mature faith so that we know who God really is and how God really operates. It's really important to not just stay with the faith that you just put aside because you didn't want to mess with it anymore, that you're challenged to go on. My wife... Um, and I, when we were dating, Becky is a good Methodist girl. Uh, she was raised in a Methodist church. Back in that day, when you had perfect attendance at Sunday school, you got a little bar, you know. And then next year, you got another one that hung on that one. Next year, she had a ladder all the way down. I mean, perfect <laughs> attendance. She, she, went, she went to uh, MYF, which was Methodist Youth Fellowship. Um, and she said, the only thing I ever learned there was not to kiss on the first date. And let me testify, she learned it. (laughs) At the end of our first date, I zoomed in for a kiss, and she looked at me, and she said, let's pray. (laughs) Dang it. I should have thought of that. I'm a pastor. I was a pastor at the time. But as I was going to seminary, and I was was doing associate work at, at at, at the church that she was not attending. She was off of college. She was taking a course, a religion course in college. Not always the best choice because a lot of times you get what she got, and that is somebody who is intent on tearing your faith down. But in her case, it worked just the opposite because I was in seminary. We would meet every time she had a class. I'd drive up there, and we'd meet, and she'd say, this is what he said. And, 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 and so I, I would research it, and I said, well, this is how to answer. And so we had an entire first part of our dating was a course in apologetics. Apologetics, for those of you who are not familiar with that, uh, that term, it's not what it sounds like, not the English word. It means the rational explanation and defense of the faith. And so we grew so strong spiritually together And the stronger spiritually we grew together, the closer personally we grew together. And 50 years later, we're still a dating couple. I mean, it's better than ever because we had that kind of foundation. Now, let me tell you, every person that is being honest about their faith has significant and important questions. You do too. Your friends certainly do, you know. Significant questions like, If God is all-powerful and all-good, why is there so much pain in the world? Why is there so much pain? That's an honest-to-goodness question. 
If God is all-powerful and all-good and loves us, why would he ever send anybody to hell? That's a real question. That's a, that's a, that's a legitimate question. If God is all-powerful and has created the world like it is, why would he allow temptation? I mean, what good is temptation? Why would he even put it there? If God is all-powerful, do those people who claim they have a miracle in their life, last, last week, uh, Pastor Eddie was talking about his daughter and, and how God did miraculously arrange circumstances. Many of you have, have that same testimony. But there are others of you who are saying, eh, I don't know. You know, people can kind of configure things to make it look like God did it. I wonder if there's really miracles. Do you understand that there are writings that can give you a full explanation, not a formula, not even always an answer that is simple, but an explanation that is reasonable and an explanation that corresponds with your spirit of who God is. C.S. Lewis, just one, I, I listen to him you know, while I'm walking and exercising in the morning. By the way, your worship team is jacked. I mean... <laughs> Your lead pastor. I mean, he gets up there and goes, look at those muscles. I'm gonna... Pastor Tyler got big arms. You know, the guy in a lumberjack shirt up here. <laughs> All tatted up. Did you see him? I was, I, was, I was a little afraid to come up on stage. Where was I? I, I got distracted. I do, I do that a lot these days. Where was I? Seriously. Huh? C.S. Lewis, thank you. Okay. But he has written the most brilliant explanations, not just for your mind, but for your heart and your soul on the problem of pain, on the great divorce, which is, which is the, the book on heaven and hell. By the way, spoiler alert, God doesn't send anybody to hell. You've got to intentionally get there. It, that by your own decision, consistently. This is not an accident, and it's not a gotcha. God's not like that. He's written on miracles. He's written on screw tape letters. is all about temptation, you know, and, and, and the brilliance of how the, how the world and the spiritual life works. It's out there, but yet we insist on just having, you know, well, I, this is my opinion. You know, when I was in seminary, there's this, one of my favorite professors, New Testament professor, S. Marion Smith. He had to be 120 years old, but he was still teaching. And he, he knew the Bible backwards and forwards, the New Testament. He, just, he would open it up, but he'd never look at the thing. He'd just quote chapters, you know. And, 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 but he insisted that we would write papers based upon what the scholars had said. Because he wanted us to understand what the brilliant minds had thought. And one time, somebody in the class raised their hand and said, don't you want to know our opinion? And Dr. Smith looked at him and said, gentlemen, to the whole class, you don't know enough to have an opinion. Do you know any people who's spouting opinions who probably doesn't know enough to have an opinion? Yeah, we, we're surrounded by them, including news commentators. You know, we're surrounded by them. We need to do the work 
of reviving the relationship with God by updating our understanding of how he works. Do you understand that all relationships have an expiration date? All relationships have an expiration date, whether you realize that or not. They either, you either renew them and update them, or they grow sour and then they go away. All relationships. Do you understand that's true with your faith as well? God doesn't go away, but your relationship with him does because you don't think about him anymore. I, some of you people have been married 20, 30 years. The last time you actually checked in with what your spouse actually thought on something was so long ago, you're not really married to her. You're married to a memory of her, to an impression you had, and you just have not updated that. Intimacy comes with update. Intimacy comes with listening. And there's always a chance, no matter how far you are in the faith, some, some of us, there, I can't remember a day when I was not studying Scripture in the last 50 years. And I'm learning new things every day from, from people like our pastor, like, like others who, who just speak the word in a way that I haven't quite heard it before. You remember in Acts chapter 18, Apollos, he was a mighty, mighty uh, preacher, a mighty philosopher. And uh, where's that? There's that. Acts 18, and, uh, and it, it says in 24, I didn't put 24 up there for you, but it says Apollos um, was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of scriptures. It says he had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, watch, Though he knew only the baptism of John, he began to speak boldly in the synagogue when Priscilla and Aquila, a married couple, when they heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more accurately. I don't care how long you've been doing this. There's some other thing that you can learn that will draw you closer to God and have a greater impact of those around you as he works through your life in an updated fashion. And so this reconstruction, instead of just merely deconstruction, is really important. And, 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 and by the way, there's no... Some people say, I, I, I don't want to... I'm, I'm afraid if I start doing that and I don't find answers... I'll lose my faith. Let me give you a little reassurance. If you're really looking for answers, instead of just trying to get out of God's authority, God's everywhere. You will see him everywhere. No matter what field you're in, God's truth, how God operates, is in every field. This is not about being smart. It's not about being secular. It's about understanding, it's, as it says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. I'm going to do this. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. Heaven and earth, spiritual, secular. You know, he's, he's in all things. 
He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. It's important for us to understand that as we let our childlike beliefs go, our childish beliefs, not childlike, our child, because faith, you, you finally got to trust, like a little kid. I mean, you just go, okay, I trust. But our childish beliefs go, then what comes back is in a different form because the first one was allowed to die. Jesus said in um, John uh, chapter 12, I think, verse 24, um, Jesus talked about the, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil, think of a kernel as a belief that you had that wasn't quite, it, it, it just doesn't work, you know? It says, in the soil and dies, it remains alone, but its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. So the leaf, the seed multiplies according to its kind, but you have so many more insights into how God really operates. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, the same principle. It says, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. What you sow is not the body that will be. The belief that you sow, the relationship that you sow, the, the, the circumstance that you sow won't come back like it was. But just a seed, perhaps of wheat or of something else, I, I'm sorry, is not the body that will be, but just a seed or perhaps of wheat or something else. In other words, God will bring something out of that that is new and more perfect for who you are and what he has for your life. Okay, so let me get to the, to the last point here. Um, and and, and this, is, this is super important to understand. Those of us who have been afraid um, have no reason to be afraid of, act, of asking the hardest questions, of entering into discussion with unbelievers or people of different faiths. It will just sharpen us. I have so many friends in different faiths and they are just teaching me with every conversation how to bask and have joy in the grace of Christ. It doesn't weaken my faith. It strengthens my faith. And so there's no, there, you shouldn't be afraid of any conversation. But the Bible says this in, in Romans 8.37. The Bible says that we will become more than conquerors through him who loved us. More than conquerors. Um, put, that, put that up, will you? Let me, uh, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now, let, let me ask you what, this, what, the, what, what is more? What's the more? See, we got the, con we got the conquerors down here. Because basically in this society, the mentality of conquering is trying to win an argument. That's what most people think about their faith. I just, I just want to win, win the argument. No, no. We are to be more than conquerors. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be back on Father's Day, and let me, let me be a church grandfather to you, um, or great-grandfather now, um, and, and, and teach you why you're still here. Do you ever wonder why am I still here? It's so incredible that many of you feel irrelevant or the world would not miss you. Let me tell you something. God would miss you because God has a mission for you that no one else can do, or he'd take you out. If your mission was done, he'd take you out right now. 
you know? But the fact is, the, re- the, the, the reason you're still here is because the world needs something you can offer no one else can offer. And we have been so brainwashed into thinking, well, there are a lot more people more qualified for that than I am. That's not the point. The point is, you're on the team. Ernest Beckerberger talked about his, his brother-in-law who volunteered to become a um, volunteer fireman. He was so juiced. He was so excited. <laughs> and uh, so he went through the training. It was, it was really rigorous. Came time for his first time, um, you know, in the truck. And so they, you know, they were very kind. They put him up in the front seat with the driver, you know, and they take off. Um, and, and, and his brother-in-law got this kind of freaky look on his face. And he looked over to the driver and he said, I think we should pull over. And the, and the driver looked at him and said, why? And his, his brother-in-law said, don't you hear that siren? And the driver said, that's us. <laughs> How many Christians, when they see the world, just want to pull over so that somebody can go help who's qualified? No, that's us. We're in the truck. We're in the truck. We're the answer. So I want to tell you about that. I want to, I, but, but on the way there, I want you to have confidence. We just sang, I have confidence because he goes before me. I, have, I want you to have that kind of confidence because it's important to understand that, that if we were led out into the wilderness just like Jesus, Matthew 4, 1, says the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Do you understand the hell you're going through right now And the voices of hell are for your training. This was his training to go into ministry. It's our training to go into ministry. And I want you to not be afraid. I want you to have the confidence that I have. I have unreasonable confidence. There's no reason I ought to have the confidence I do. I'm an average guy, a little guy, little old guy. There's no reason I ought to have any confidence. But I have so much confidence, seriously, personal confidence. If I hear somebody doesn't like me, my first thought is, well, they should probably be Baker acted because <laughs> they're legitimately crazy. You know, they could do themselves or others harm, for crying out loud. What's not to like? Why would somebody not like me? I want you to have that kind of confidence because that's how God feels about you. And that's, and that's what we need. I was raised with a mother who just was like a marine drill instructor. She was 90 pounds soaking wet, and she had her problems, a ton of them. But let me tell you, toughness wasn't one of them. And, and, and she, I could put her, I watch MMA fighting, so, and, and he, she could have entered the ring and whooped anybody. <laughs> and, and, and she raised me believing she saw something in me that had to be called out and was going to do it by knocking me down every time I, you know, you know, and so, and so I could tell she loved me, but I could also tell she didn't, the, the cardinal sin in our house was pride. You don't ever get proud. All right. And so, and so I remember, I remember uh, going home at the beginning of my senior year and I walked in and I said, mom, you know, I just got elected president of the senior class. And she said, oh, Joey, that's what, and then she caught herself. 
And she bowed up and she said, oh, I bet you think now you're just king crap, don't you? Well, she didn't use the word crap. She looked at me and she said, let me tell you something, Buster. You're not even regular crap. But it was too late. I had already seen how proud she was. You know, so many of us live in Genesis 3. We live in shame for the things we've done wrong. But if you understand God, it's too late. Because in Genesis 1, it said he created us. And it said it's very good. He breathed his own spirit into us, ruach. He made us in his image. Don't live in condemnation. Don't live in fear. God will be there because he loves us. It's important if you want this life of resurrection to live every day without fear, knowing you can ask any question as long as you're searching for God. He'll meet you. He will send people to encourage you if you understand, if you, if you accept that, if you see him, every place in the world will reveal to you his goodness or your task to help fix that situation. And it just keeps getting better. So we've got to let go of our childish beliefs and we've got to come up to a walking through this problem with God and watch his grace and goodness come alive in your heart and in your mind and in the power of your actions. I want to invite those of you who don't know Jesus to have that, that life in you. This is not just about not going to hell. This is not just about getting your sins cleared out. This is about having a life in you that is absolutely indomitable because you've given up on the things that die. You've given up on the things that are only here temporarily and you're looking to heaven instead of to earth. If you want that kind of life, that kind of insight, I want you to lower your, lower your, your heads right now. Close your eyes. And if you would like to have that kind of relationship with Jesus Christ and have him living in your heart, whether this is your first time or you realized you need to get rid of this very simple faith and, and grow it into a living relationship with God, I want you to raise your hand right now. Thank you. I see that hand. Who have? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wonderful. At every site, those of you at home, online, thank you. Pray with me. God, we ask you to come and live in our heart. Jesus, we know when you died on the cross, you paid for our sins too. But in the resurrection, you offer us so much more than cleanness. You offer us power, not only to walk in confidence and intimacy with you, but to be a blessing to this world. We thank you 
In Jesus' name, amen.